Hey everyone, this is Dave Korsunsky from Data Driven Health Radio. On this show, we look at how individuals are empowering themselves and using data to transform the way they manage their health. We interview the health experts and the scientists that will help you understand and interpret the data. We speak with the entrepreneurs who are building the tools and the technology that are allowing us to quantify our health in novel and powerful ways. And most importantly, we speak to the individuals who are beating the odds on everything from cancer to diabetes to weight loss and general health and wellness. This show is brought to you by Aura. They make a state-of-the-art ring that can track sleep cycle analysis, activity, and recovery. You can learn more about this product at headsuphealth.com Aura. That's O-U-R-A. This show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Keto Mojo. They are making a highly accurate and highly affordable device for testing blood sugar and blood ketones. Check it out at headsuphealth.com slash ketomojo. And lastly, the show is brought to you by Level. They are making a clinical-grade breath ketone analyzer, which measures your level of fat burning and ketosis through a simple breath. You can learn more at headsuphealth.com slash level. That's L-E-V-L. All of these amazing products are integrated with Heads Up Health. They all allow you to quantify your health in novel and powerful ways. So check them out. Thank you to our sponsors. Welcome to our show, and let's get into it. Welcome to Data Driven Health Radio. Hey everyone, this is Dave from Data Driven Health Radio and super excited today to be speaking with a total badass in the world of biohacking, data collection, and also works for a super cool company. He and I have been exchanging tons of messages over the last few weeks, nerding out on every possible type of quantified self metric and just had a really, really great connection. So uh, please welcome Chuck from Aura. And Chuck, thanks for being here. We've got a lot of really nerdy stuff we're going to talk about today. We're going to do some screen sharing, look at some data, and uh, thanks for being here. Give us a quick intro. All right. So thanks for having me on. Uh, we have similar backgrounds. I also come from a technology background. Yes. Uh, computer science, electrical engineering, startups, uh, lawyer. Won't hold that against me. Nope, we won't. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, along the way, I got started, uh, well, I've always been doing a lot of hiking, running, cycling mm-hmm. my whole life. Yep. And, uh, along the way, I think it was in like 1986, I was down at MIT and met a guy that was talking about uh, binaural tones and how you could entrain your brain. And that's when I really got started in thinking about sleep, yep. stress, relaxation, and hacking your life. Mm-hmm. So I've been in this for a long time. You're an old school biohacker. Yes, and I because of that, I uh, slowly got connected to a lot of the startups out of MIT and mm-hmm. testing their early stage products like Zio, for instance. Which yep, that's the product that got me hooked, actually. Was yeah, the, um, and it was, was good or bad. The headband always fell off a yep. lot of that, but it was interesting. And then I, I was a little sad when they, they finally went out of business, but they were ahead of their time. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, and I've tested lots of wearables like 
get in another startup in California that was building a web portal for GPS data. And so we worked together to convince Garmin to develop a risk-based GPS, the original Forerunner. Sounds familiar. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, so you were, you were the, uh, the initial uh, spark for that. Well, not, not really. These guys had the idea. There's a guy that had gone to college in Maine, Colby College, Clark Weber, you now works for GoPro. But he and his partner did that. But I had a bunch of uh, people called rhinos that we use the data off those mm-hmm. to you know, check the data for Garmin. And they're the ones that actually you know, approached Garmin to say, hey, could you put this on a wrist? And so they did. So we all the, had all the early beta versions of that. And that took off and started testing for... Uh, Magellan, because Clark went there, and gosh, I just a bunch of companies, you name it. Uh, Philips, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Withings uh, tested a bunch of their uh, pulse oxes. I kept breaking them, but they kept sending them. Fair enough. They weren't waterproof. <laughs> well, now you're at one of the coolest companies out there, arguably yeah, super Aura. hot. You guys have created a monster over there. So tell us how you ended up at Aura and just what's going on there. It seems like yeah. this Gen 2 ring has created a huge buzz. There's yeah. incredible interest in the Gen 1 product. So how'd you end up there and, and give us some insights into what's going yeah. on over there? Yeah, so real quick. So I, I'm an endurance runner as a side hobby. Yep. And at the time, I was you know, running a lot of marathons, trail races up to you know fifty miles and beyond. Mm-hmm. And you know, I always wanted to find something that would I could gauge my recovery. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of the sport watches like Sintus and stuff, working with First Beat, started adding stuff like you know after you get done with your training run, it say you need to recover nineteen hours. Mm-hmm. And give an example, my wife and I were doing a six-day stage race in the Colorado Rockies. And of course, every morning, every, every day after the stage, it would say, you know, you need 40 hours to recover. This was on an ambit. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't. I don't have time for that. No. Go sleep for three days. I'm going to come yeah. back to us. There was nothing out there. So I, I was looking for something that actually gave me my recovery in the morning, not just the yeah. interview, but looked at other metrics. Like sure. Sleep. Yep. So the, I met a fellow who uh, was involved in startups, and he connected me with a guy that knew a company that was starting out of Harvard called Whoop. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went down and met with them and, and was an early beta tester of their platform. And they, you know, they were doing looking at sleep and metrics during the night, like heart rate, HRV, and from that, giving a recovery score. And I said, this is great. And then it was as I was involved with testing with them, I was always keeping an eye on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and, uh, this thing came up, an Aura ring, and I'm like, oh, interesting. This does looks like what Whoop does, but on a mm-hmm. ring. Mm-hmm. Your wrist is like the best real estate, and I want to wear a Garmin when I run, not yep. a Whoop. Mm-hmm. And so, or Suntu. And so, uh, you know, I had been burned on a cu- couple of Kickstarters. My wife's like, you're not doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, then along the way, I think it was right after the Kickstarter uh, closed, I actually ordered a ring. And then, you know, it was shipped probably in uh, March of 2016. So I'm wearing one ever since then. Yep. So I kept in, kept in touch with, you know, the team and, and uh, met a few of them. Like, um, the it's based China. where? It's based in, uh, is it Finland? Ooh, Finland, yes. Finland. Ooh, Finland, which is in the northern part of Finland. It's only, yep. I, I don't, correct me on this, but uh, I think it's like 250 kilometers from the, um, the Arctic Circle. So it's way up there. But yeah, so I, at the time I had moved from Maine to uh, Colorado and the annual sleep conference was in Denver and uh, we had dinner and they said, Hey, would you come work for us? I'm like, sure. Why wouldn't I? 
successful company. So that's yeah. how I got involved. You can indulge your inner data nerd at every yeah. possible level when you're right. so working I, for the company. Yeah, so I started uh, with them in uh, November 2016. Cool. Yeah, so it's been a fun time. Yeah, I, I got connected to you guys through, actually it was Rob Wolf who introduced okay, me right. to um, Harpreet, who's based yeah. in San Francisco. Yes, yeah, he was in New York City when I first started and moved there last spring, I think, of the summer. Yeah, so he and I met, I think, maybe eight months ago, had a coffee in San Francisco, and he got us some rings to test out, and I realized you guys just have a, a wonderful API, which was really well done and super easy to integrate. So it was a no-brainer for us to build it into Heads Up Health. And There's a, One thing I got is, we got, I mean, super talented people in Finland. Yes. Uh, between the engineers that are doing the hard work on firmware and circuitry to guys working on the cloud and back-end systems to the programming staff, mm -hmm. um, both the web and iOS and Android. We're just a really, really zipped-up team. Yep. There's a lot of talent out there. I mean, I know you mentioned it's a remote, close-to-the-Arctic Circle part of Finland, but it seems yeah. that there's a startup hub actually out there. Yeah, the, the thing that's interesting, and a lot of people don't really think about this, but it, as a, a country as small as it is and as yep. road motor as it is they have a really good education system yep and if you think of the companies like people think of nokia and they think you know a mobile phone manufacturer that tanked mm -hmm. uh, nokia actually makes the big equipment that runs telephone companies and cell companies and they're like one of the biggest in the world they actually bought alcatel lucent yep <laughs> so it's them ericsson and that's Google. a monster monster yeah. whale to swallow there so Polar's started there, Suntu uh, yeah. started there, yeah. uh, that Apple just bought is from there. Something uh, in the water out there that's creating right, all these uh, brilliant it, engineering companies. It is there, yeah. uh, which is another bed-based system. Yep. And Have you tried that, by the way? What's that? The Bedit? Have you tried it? No, I, I talked to the founder. Or know, the M what's the name of it? Is it MFIT or... Oh, EM, EM Fit. I've talked to the, the, uh, the founder of that company at uh, CES last year. So that's like bedded on steroids. They're going after a different market. Got it. So uh, they do HRV throughout the night, which the original Bedded Pro did that. And that's what I was trying to get from Bedded. Yep. They weren't selling it anymore at the time I contacted them. But yeah, EM Fit, uh, they don't have a, a mobile app. It's just on the web. Mm. But they do uh, HRV. And I'll show you on our cloud, you know, some of the stuff I talked to them about, yep. which is that we do also so a lot of like whoop only does hrv in a small window they try to do it during shortwave sleep mm -hmm. uh whereas em fit and or we do it throughout the night yep and that's important for uh, another reason i'll get to when we show the cloud yeah so they're there and i mean there are a bunch of other companies and first beat which does the firmware that garmin's bought big into so all the cool things that garmin does like on the new 935 phoenix and the phoenix 5 series um, you can actually see your anaerobic and aerobic training load on the mm -hmm. watch. Mm -hmm. They give you, of course, the recovery score. They, all of them are going to be moving into sleep metrics, and that's all being done by um, First Beat, which is also out of the Ulu area. Well, you made an important uh, subtle comment earlier. You said that part of the intrigue about the ring was that you want to wear the garment on your wrist when you're running. Right. right. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who would like to do the same. And most of the, the traditional devices like Fitbit and others are wrist-worn devices. So wearing two on the wrist is, is a little bit ridiculous. So that's, I think, part of the benefit of the ring. Admittedly, the, the first-gen ring is, is a little bit on the bulky side, but that's because it's a first-gen product. And well, no, actually, it's not because it was first. I mean, it is a first-gen okay. product. It was yep. a market test. But, I mean, the, if you think of the, you know, the size of this. Yep, and I got mine here. 
Right, right. So the you know the fact is when when the design was solidified on this, yep, nobody made curved batteries. Got it. <laughs> so that's why the thing on the top is really the battery. Got it. Yep. Get in for everything that goes on. If you know running these infrared sensors at two hundred fifty times a second throughout the night, you need to have a pretty good sized battery. Mm -hmm. So you could get two or three days out of the you know the ring, which yep. you know I know a lot of people think that's pretty piss poor. I don't have a problem with it. I just put uh, it on the charger. It doesn't take long to charge. Well, that's that's what I tell people because, and I've even told people like at the slush conference where we actually introduce the new ring, which looks more like a men's wedding band. Yep. And even though that you know technically has a smaller battery, mm -hmm. with the electronics and battery management, which we've done really well with, you know that's going to go at least a week. It may go yep. longer. Yep. But even I told people, I would charge it every day. It's bad, better for the battery life. Yep. Like a, I do the same. Yep. It only takes 10 minutes. Yep. You get up, you look at your sleep score, and boom. You know, you, you put on the charger, you go to the bathroom, make coffee, and you're done. So let's, we've obviously got a lot of people who are very familiar with the product already on our right. system. But there's probably some listeners who are not familiar with all of the capabilities of this ring why it's so awesome in terms of calculating a recovery score. So why don't we just take a quick step back and talk about what it is that the ring tracks today with the current version. And then we can talk about what's coming out with the next one. I've read the features on it. They sound incredible. So for people who are considering getting this product or, or may not be as familiar with it, let's just talk about the current version where it's doing activity during the day and then what it tracks at night and how that plays into the recovery score. You've got decades of experience here. So I'd, I'd love to hear it in your words, just in terms of what Gen 1 can do. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll segue into what's coming in the next product. And then we'll nerd out and look at some data. Right. So starting with activity and, and uh, not that it's not important. Movement is important. Yep, agree. And the first gen ring and even the second one adds a gyro. The first one has just an accelerometer. Mm -hmm. Accelerometers work really well in a plane if you maintain that action in the plane. Mm -hmm. So it's the same, you know, movement, you know, this kind of thing. Yep. Change all of a sudden, it takes a while for accelerometer to recognize that. Yep. But also it based on where it you know it's a ring, it's on your finger, uh, it does really well at tracking walking and running mm -hmm. activities. Uh, it certainly isn't going to work really well for perhaps some other things, even swimming. You know, mm -hmm. we'd have to do some work to recognize that you're swimming and then count the reps. And we just haven't gotten around to doing that on the rings. So we're already working on the next ring. Mm -hmm. But uh, one thing about activity is the, the, I think the more important things is even if you're an elite athlete, you know, like an ultra runner or, you know, advanced cyclist or whatever, the important thing for your coach is what you do in your training block. And you probably have very specialized tools for that. Mm -hmm. Power meters, you know, Strava data, mm -hmm. training peaks, whatever. But as a coach, what I would want to know about when you get up in the morning, are you recovered or not? So I can yes. decide what training block you're doing that day. So no matter what you do for training, and even if the ring doesn't pick it up, and it likely won't for a lot of things, um, it is tracking most of your movement during the day very accurately. Mm -hmm. And if, even if you're, again, Unless you're the extreme athlete that's running, you know, six hours a day, most people's exercise encompasses like an hour, maybe an hour and a half a day. And the rest of the time, the, the ring is definitely picking that up really well. Yep. But, but going back, the more important thing is how are you, how, are you recovered in the morning? And that's based on the stuff we track at night, which basically we give you a sleep score that tells you was your sleep restorative or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And there are lots of different contributors that go into that. And those are shown on the app. Yep. Uh, the app screen and actually on the cloud too. And so for me, so, so I, let's talk about those, Chuck. So with the sleep recover, with the sleep index, for example, for those who are not familiar, it is providing a sleep cycle analysis. Yes. Right? So you get all this, you get all the sleep, sleep. Thing, so you know the time you were sleeping, yep. how much of REM, deep, awake, yep. uh, light sleep you had. Lowest resting heart rate, when that occurred during the night. There's yeah, those go towards more towards recovery. Okay. But heart, so other things, so there are lots of things that go into, so we're, the sensors we have in the ring, we of course have the two infrared sensors. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned, those sample at 250 times a second. Yep. That is huge. And those are at the base. Yep, the I see those here. The reason those are at the base of the ring is that you have two arteries at the base of each finger. Got it. Most wearables are wrist-based. Those use LEDs that run off capillaries. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that, it's a very noisy place to measure data. Cap- the blood flowing through capillaries speeds up and slows down as it's going through your skin and sub-Q layer. Uh, so that creates a challenge for trying to figure out what your heart rate is. Uh, people have different skin colors. They could have tattoos, more hair, less hair, the sun. And then you also get vibration. No matter how tight you have it, your skin will vibrate with a watch on it because of the sheer weight even if it's 48 grams. So all that together, at best, uh, risk-based trackers, even the best ones, and they've gotten better, they're getting an estimation of heart rate. And and people compare them to chest straps. Mm -hmm. Those are estimates of heart rate. And if you don't believe me, read Valencell's white papers. They do all the testing on this stuff. What are those papers? uh, Valencell, it's a company out of, I believe, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I can send you the link later if you want to. Yeah, that's great. Yep. But they test, they've got a really cool lab and they test like everything where, you know, wrist-based optical sensors, chest straps, none of them are accurate. If you want accuracy, you need to go in a lab with expensive chest holsters and test something. So anyway, we, because we're testing off arteries with infrared, uh, we actually can measure the full, what's called arterial pulse waveform. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, from that, the quality of that data, uh, we get... Uh, clinical grade heart rate, mm-hmm. heart rate variability, and respiration rate. And Remember, uh, Harpreet sent me a paper, actually. We can share that as well. But it was yeah. comparing the HRV of the ring. Yes. To, was it an ECG? Is that right? Yeah, so it's a holster in a lab. So it, yep. it's expensive stuff. And it's 98 point something percent. And then yep. chest straps are not that accurate. Just to reiterate that, it's it's the difference between on the wrist, which is – uh, optical, LED. optical LED versus at the base of the finger. And I know these little nubs on the bottom of the ring, they fit up really snug against my index yeah. finger. Yeah. And that's where I wear the ring. So I know it's a really, really solid connection, much more solid than the connection from my Fitbit, which is, I mean, when I'm on the computer, I leave it loose so I can push it down and it doesn't get in the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this thing fits super snug. It doesn't right. budge when I go to sleep. Yeah. I know I've seen you chime in on some of the Facebook groups around people who may have some suspect data, but you do need to be sure the ring is snug so that yeah. it's collecting accurately. Yeah, I tell people at conferences, you know, people go and you know, try like, oh, I can't, I can't get off at snug. And that's not snug is like rotating it Yep, is how much effort it takes. It should take a little bit of effort during the day to rotate your finger. Yep. And what I tell people as far as sizing it is – Size it for your, I'm, I'm right-handed, so my, this is my left hand. Mm-hmm. Size it for your left-hand finger. That's what I do. Night, at night, move it to your dominant hand. That finger is yep. slightly bigger. Yep. And you'll have trouble getting it off in the morning, but you'll have a nice, super snug fit. 
So you recommend the dominant hand index finger at night. Is that correct for sleep? Because you have their fingers. Most people's fingers are slightly bigger on their dominant hand. Mm -hmm. Because of writing and that kind of stuff. Yep. Okay. Water. So yep. anyway, so that so we have the the uh, infrared sensors. So we from that we use all that data to look at like sleep staging at the very top of the ring. It's hard to see. There's a little dot. There's a highly accurate temperature sensor. So on the inside of the ring. Yep. And it's up by the charge. Yeah, I see it here. Charging plate. Yep. So anyway, there are wearables that have temperature sensors that may mainly use those to determine if it's on your wrist or not. Yep. So they know to, to turn off the optical LED. Got it. Kind of humorous. Yeah. Uh, we have off finger detection too, but we actually use the temperature sensor for sleep staging and, and also to tell if you're getting sick or overtrained. Yep. I've seen uh, those insights before. It looks yeah, at, so at, at uh, night overnight changes in body temperature. So it's super accurate. What people don't realize is that the only time your core temperature, so if you use a thermometer in your mouth, your ear, or the other place we won't speak of, you... <laughs> we won't do that. We won't do that demonstration here today. No, no, no. no. Show. Well, anyway, while you're sleeping, it's part of you know, our nocturnal biology. Your core temperature pushes out to your, your skin. Yep. And so from, because of that, we're getting highly accurate, and we validated this in, in a lab, uh, some pretty funny self-made equipment to test that, but um, it's very accurate to mm -hmm. uh, your core temperature while you're sleeping. Yep. Now, we, we don't show um, all the data points while you're sleeping of a temperature because it, it'll start off not accurate, get really accurate, and then get less accurate. Mm -hmm. So we just slow, we basically figure out what your average was when, yep. when it was good data, mm -hmm. and then we, we show you that average of those for the night, and then we trend those on the, like a daily value. And from that, we can see, you know, if you're overtraining, it's going to be used for looking at overtraining analysis. Can we look for on, impending sickness? And I can show you that on the graph when I got sick, yep. one of my trips from Finland. And then women can actually use it to track the menstrual rate. Yep. Now, women are smarter than men. They know when they're going to have their period. Mm -hmm. But if it was us men, we'd like all of a sudden say, oop, what was that? <laughs> yeah. We'd need so, some, some, some device to give us a, a good smack in the head and let us know right, right. that there's this. Uh, not, we're not the smart ones in the family. No. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so we have that to accelerate. So there's body temperature, core temperature. There's the sleep cycle analysis. There's the activity which we've covered. Yeah. And, well, yeah. So and then the accelerometer, the temperature sensor, and the infrareds all used to give you your your sleep score. Uh, then the recovery in the morning is based on how restored your sleep was. So we take some of the sleep metrics, a yep. little bit of the activity. Mm -hmm. uh, some endurance athletes that either can't wear the ring because of their activity while they're working out or people that are riding bicycles say, well, it's not picking up my cycling. Well, activity has a very low weight in the algorithm, so mm -hmm. don't worry about that. I've seen that, yeah. I mean, I don't even wear it some days, but I yeah. still get really, really good recovery indexes yeah. because it's I'm only, wearing it at night. Yeah, it, only, it might only affect your uh, recovery score by a point if you yeah. didn't wear it. So anyway, it's, it's still very accurate. And so we, uh, we use activity and we look at what you mentioned heart rate earlier. Um, the important thing on recovery on that, as you mentioned, is not only how low it is trending, mm -hmm. but when it happened, if it's yeah. later in your sleep, it means you were revved up. Yep. Uh, and I would suspect you either exercise late, you drank late meals. Yeah. Late, late, late meals will throw that off for me. Yeah. So I started to make these associations yeah. myself just from looking at the data and would say, oh, your, your lowest resting heart rate was at four in the morning. Right. And sure enough, I'd have a big late dinner or right. something like that, a late workout. 
So it definitely picks that up. These are all the things that are helping me course correct my routine. I don't train as late. I don't eat big meals as of late because now I have this data. And when my recovery scores are on point, I can see, oh, your lowest resting heart rate was like one in the morning. Right. Perfect. Yeah. And so we'll, you know, one of the things we're adding in the, the new app that's coming out with the new ring is the ability to add notes. Yep. And eventually you'll be able to add those in both the app and the web. Mm-hmm. And so you can, like if someone said, oh, I, you know, like you can with other apps, like uh, you probably played with Sleep Cycle. A little bit. Yeah. So when you go to you know, Sleep Cycle, it makes it easy because their architecture is you open the app right before you're going to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so they can capture when you you know, intend to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then you go through a short questionnaire and basically you can, you can set up your own tags to sleep cycle. So you can say, yep. I, I drank two glasses of red wine or more than two glasses of red wine. I had yep. a late meal. I wear, wore blue blockers. I didn't yep. wear, wear blue blockers, that kind of stuff. And then <clears throat> you, hit, you set your alarm and boom, you go. So you'll be able to do that kind of stuff and then we'll be able to help use that along with historical data for you to help you better understand the trends mm-hmm. and do better analytics. Sort of like big data, I hate that term, but yep. we'll be able to dig into the data, uh, your data with your tags and help you, you know, give you clues on some lifestyle changes you might want to make yep. to improve your sleep. So, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been, I think everyone I talk to who has it absolutely loves the, the way it calculates the recovery index in the morning based on all of those different variables. That part is incredible. There's, a lot of people trying to optimize the scores, not surprisingly. And there are different things I've noticed that work that are mostly reproducible. So some of the things that I've been able to implement based on, on this are, first of all, just shutting off the stimulating work electronics by like 7 o'clock. Uh, right. and starting to let my nervous system gear down. That seems to help. Being These are my own personal learnings and I'd love to hear yours as well for for optimizing recovery second one for me is just being in bed at like nine o'clock and just reading for an hour before I go to sleep that seems to help a lot just winding down I'll I'll fall asleep around 9 30 9 45 late meals again heavy meals seem to throw off recovery not surprisingly because your body is devoting all of this energy to digesting a heavy meal when it should be doing all of the detoxification and recovery process. So late meals, late workouts. I haven't actually purchased blue blockers yet or the, sorry, the uh, orange uh, lenses. I'd love to hear if you have any information on that uh, anecdotally or otherwise, but those are, so these are the things that you can definitively test and, and, and very consistently reproduce these effects. I've also on the previous show, we interviewed Dr. Philip Blair, and he's with a company called Elixinol, yeah. a very, very high quality CBD oil. Yeah. So I just ordered some of their product. I've been testing it for, this is my third night I'll be testing it, but my sleep score was 91 yesterday. Okay. So it's taken me, that's the best I've ever had. So it's, it's taken me up a little notch, but okay. you do have a, a pretty accurate way to start testing little interventions like these, like CBD oil, different lifestyle, I guess you'd call them uh, N equals one for... Okay for optimizing. So those things have worked really well for me. You're way more plugged into the community. So what are some of the best practices you see working and others report again, all N equals one, but what can you share in terms of best practices? Right. So you, you touched on one of the things that, which I always tell people, if there's only one thing you've changed in your life, be consistent about when you go to bed and Mm -hmm. when you wake up. Yep. 
and that is partially determined by your circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, you may have heard of Michael Bruce's book, The Power of When, mm-hmm. uh, but he talks about four animals. In fact, it's almost infinitive variations. And they, um, there, there was just a Nobel Prize given to three or four scientists on identifying the genes that basically determine your circadian rhythm. Yep. So once you know that, and you, and we actually in the new app will actually show you the sweet spot of when you should go to bed from looking at your when you went to actually to bed yep. uh, versus your sleep score mm-hmm. and doing correlations on when you should go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so right, that's going to be the beginning of some circadian stuff we're adding to the app. So that's, that's the first thing. So for me, I know my sweet spot, my wife hates this, is um, by, at 8 o'clock I feel a huge amount of pressure, pressure to go to bed or start mm-hmm. getting ready for bed, mm-hmm. which is pretty early. Yep. So usually, you know, I have to be uh, starting to my routine for bed uh, by 9 at the yep. latest, mm-hmm. um, 9 p.m. But the things I do that I, that I found that really help is all of our lights with few exception are Philips Hue lights mm-hmm. and they at sunrise at sunset they mimic you know the sunset but in the house yeah on top of it, a little bit later so they're, they're not, they haven't come on yet but they will be soon they'll ramp up and then at eight o'clock at night they all go red completely mm-hmm. red mm-hmm. Out any anything but blue I mean no red I can't remember what this the uh, nanometer spectrum is on that but and then when uh, uh, so when how I, long have you had the bulbs for Probably started with them three years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. They were they're pretty new to the market. And do you need yeah. any type of, are they connected or, or how, how, how does it actually calibrate? Yeah, they, yeah, they have uh, they, uh, they have some sort of a radio in them that connects to a hub. Got it. I don't, know if they're, I don't think they're using Wi-Fi. Uh, they may be using simple. So you purchase a hub, you purchase the bulbs, yeah. and then it, that, that has its own communication system to say, based on time of day, it will start changing yeah, the so what, so what I use is, so I'll go back up a bit. In the morning, I use, Hugh has, a, has an app, and they've got a, a pretty decent wake-up. They call them routines. And so you can set, so I set one to, you know, some ro- uh, uh, lights that aren't close to our bedroom, mm-hmm. but they're close enough. So at like 5.15 in the morning, I have those over 30 minutes sort of ramp up like a sunrise. Mm-hmm. And then I start a second set. You know, at like five thirty, ramping up there, closer to the bedroom, and kind of move closer to the bed, so we're in the bedroom. Yep. And it's, it's like a silent alarm. We don't even use an alarm; it wakes yep. us up yep. when we need to get up before six. Yep. So at night, I use uh, if this then that, mm-hmm. uh, the cloud app. Mm-hmm. Uh, set the triggers for like turning lights on at a certain time, like sun sunset, and then slowly increasing and then decreasing, and then ter- finally turning them red. So that's with lighting. I wear, uh, start wearing, uh, well, right now I'm wearing sort of minimal blue blockers, Isolore. They, it's mainly for computer screens. They, they get rid of the high intensity blue light during the day, but they don't block the rest of the blue light. Around uh, seven o'clock, or as soon as it gets dark, depending on the time of year, I wear Swanee, uh, Swanix. Yeah, I'm familiar uh, with those. Yeah, I saw a couple of them and another company, TrueDark, over at the Bulletproof oh. conference this year. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah, I was, I was pressing there. them to see if they had any research that I could yeah. review on those. I mean, yeah, intellectually, it makes sense, but I just wondered if they had any any data they could share, and I didn't find anything. Yeah, I don't think there's there's any like uh, solid peer reviewed science, mm-hmm. but it's just know, good it's, common sense. It's common sense, and a lot of people do well with them. I mean, yep. they report big results. So 
I've got, I, the true darks are a little pricey uh, and they, they really, those things cut out everything. I mean, mm-hmm. what you figure, you're almost like in a submarine. Yeah. That and uh, Dave Asprey's behind those. But anyway, the, uh, the Swanics are, are less pricey. Uh, they're not quite as uh, extreme. And I think they're good enough. You know, between my red lights in the house, and when I when I get in bed, like around nine o'clock, I'm not looking at a computer or anything. I look at my iPhone, but I do the shortcut to turn to just grayscale. Yep. And I wear the Swannies for that. I do red, uh, red light therapy uh, using a panel mm-hmm. on my chest, and mm-hmm. a lot of people have found like an N equals thirty or forty mm-hmm. that improves uh, sleep quality, especially deep sleep. Yeah, I'd love to get some information from you on all of these things, and we can list them out for people who want to start testing this stuff. Yeah, as far as if you want extreme blue blockers, you go on Amazon and get uh, HDE uh, laser glasses, red ones. Mm -hmm. Those those strip out everything but red because they're for welding with red Mm -hmm. light. Yep. So those are ten bucks on Amazon. They come with a nice case. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) disposable. But they're safety glasses too, so they actually. If you have overhead white lights, if you work in that environment, yep. it actually keeps all the light out, the tops and the sides. Yep. Because the safety glasses all for $10. Cool. Uh, so those are your personal you know, best well, practices that's, then. That's just getting primed for sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a four magnet earth pulse system. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we sleep with it set on recover mode, which is 9.6 hertz, mm-hmm. which is the sweet spot from all of the research that has, and there is a ton of research on that, uh, PEMF at 9.6 hertz. The Russians, starting in the 1950s, uh, started working with PEMF for the space program. Yep. Very few people know this uh, because they had more engineers than doctors. And in the space race with the U.S., they, they know we can't send any doctors up there. So if they get in big shit trouble, mm-hmm. you guys need to figure out, you engineers, how to help them. Yep. So they, they found that... Uh, PEMF at like 9.6 hertz could actually heal wounds quicker, heal mm-hmm. bones quicker. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Not surprising. I mean, there's yeah. increasing research around frequency yeah. modalities. Good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, so we have an earth pulse with four magnets. So we sleep yeah. in a full-size bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, finally got around to upgrading our mattress uh, two years ago to an Essentia, uh, one of their sort of middle-line mattresses. This, they supposedly have a patent on uh, improving your REM sleep with the mattress. Mm-hmm. I have never found it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a really cool, it's a nice mattress. I mean, very low VOC. Yep. All stuff. Then we also have, we have each on each side, we have chili pads. Yep. And that's a huge difference. For sure. Temperature. Cold, yeah. cold room, whether it's air temperature or, or using a chill right. pad. Right. We've never had a house that you could put air, AC into. So Yeah. So uh, chili pads it. Yeah. So those those are probably the big ones. Uh, yeah. uh, and you know we don't we we've always uh, for the most part lived in luckily in neighborhoods that aren't there are no street lights and not so, a lot of houses very low density. So where are you now? Are you I forget? Are you northeast or are you? Uh, yes, yeah, so we're right outside of uh, Norwich, Vermont. Yep. In uh, West Hartford on the White River, uh, mm-hmm. which flows in the Connecticut River. Yep. Uh, people that know this region, but. Uh, yeah, we, we don't really have any close, close neighbors, and so it's reasonably darky without curtains. Same uh, here. I'm up in uh, Truckee, California, right, up, in the high, up in the high Sierras. Yes. You, it, it's pitch black at night in the bedroom, yeah. and just cold, and 
optimized for right. for for good high quality sleep. Yes. Um, so it's been great. Yeah. Good. Good. So the other thing we wanted to do was uh, nerd out on some data, and I know that you mentioned to me previously that you had done a lot of ultra endurance sports yeah. previously. Probably like many of us, you trashed yourself at one point in time through different modalities. Uh, I know I certainly did, and it's taken me a few, a few years to recover. And that forces you to look at a lot more than the things you mentioned. It, it forces you to start looking at biomarkers. Oh, hey, we got a guest on the show here. Who's that, by the way? This is River. He's River, uh, and I see the cat in the background, too. Yeah. <laughs> River made a cameo on the show. Well, this is going on YouTube, so there's River and Chuck. <laughs> So, yeah, I know you've been using our system for a while, which yeah. gets into a lot of the lab tests. And right. when I got sick, for me, the key was actually having access to the blood test results Yes, right next to the data I was collecting myself. That's yeah. the feedback loop that I wanted to close for people so that right. they could see this for themselves. That's how my functional doctor worked with me. He said, okay, yeah. here's your three-month protocol. Rerun the labs. Yeah. And we try to make these numbers move. So... That's why we put together Heads Up, and you've been giving us a ton of great feedback. You've been pounding on it for a while now. So I thought we could nerd out on a little bit of data. And I know that we don't integrate everything that you track, particularly a lot of the Garmin data, for instance, uh, the training data. But you've got a pretty, pretty robust profile in there. So let's look at some data. This is data-driven health radio after all. So we'd love to get uh, Chuck's core metrics in Heads Up Health. And then we're also going to take a quick tour through the Aura Cloud. I think most people interact with the Aura mobile app, which is awesome. But there's a lot more that can be visualized in the Aura Cloud. So we're going to do a screen share. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it live. If you are listening to the podcast, we do attach the YouTube videos to the podcast, and you can also check it out on YouTube. So go ahead and share your screen, Chuck, if you would be so kind, and we'll jump into some numbers here. Okay, so I'm going to have oh, get, oh, cat, get out of the way. <laughs> Another Sorry. cameo. Oh, cat cameo. Uh, yeah. I get to the other uh, second. How do I switch? Oh, do I click? Okay. Okay. Uh, share screen. There you go. Yep. Okay. Bingo. Okay. Got it. Yep. Got it. All right, so for those who are only listening, right now we're looking at Chuck's Heads Up Health dashboard. He's going to take us through his core metrics and some of the things that are most important for him as part of his daily regimen. Go for it, Chuck. Light lights. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, one of the I mean, one of the things I liked about this right off was I was able to hide tiles, add tiles, and move tiles mm -hmm. so that I could put the stuff that I'm most interested in at the top. Yep. And so, you know, right off the bat, when I log in here in the morning, uh, I'm always looking at my sleep, which I check my or app also. I got to uh, say, man, as soon as I get out of bed in the morning, that's the first thing I check. You guys have got me. It's like, it's like so exciting for me to check, check the aura stats. It's like the first thing I do when I wake up. It's a little bit sad, but it's awesome. Yeah, and I'll talk a little bit more about some of these things cool. after we go to the cloud. But Respectable score there, by the way, 87. Yeah. Yeah, so this is yeah, this is the the readiness score. Yep. HRV is in there, but it's it really doesn't. HRV is included as part of that score, correct? But it's yep. Per se, um, resting heart rate. This is I think this is the average, right? Is what we yeah. So the way that uh, the Aura API works is it will send you through the API. It will send you the absolute lowest measurement. Yeah. Okay. Also give you an average through gotcha. the 
So we took we took that number as the the no, that, number. That's, that's good too. I mean, because if somebody was uh, comparing this, like I'll show you to say Fitbit, the Ionic. Yep. Um, they're also doing an an average. Yep. For the, but I mean, they may just take it for the whole day. I'm not sure how they do. So that. jumping back to sleep, Chuck, everyone's everyone's hacking the deep sleep number on Aura. And admittedly, there was one paper that came out that showed that Aura was um, underestimating deep, overestimating REM. Again, it's impossible to compare this to a state-of-the-art sleep lab, which is exactly what happened. But I've been able to get my deep sleep pretty consistently now up to 45 to 60 minutes. When I first started using the ring, it was atrocious. So have there been any algorithm or firmware changes in the current product, or is it still uh, as is? Well, and that's one thing. Going back just real quick on the, uh, you're talking about the SRI peer-reviewed study yeah. comparing the OR ring to uh, PSG, which is uh, the gold standard at CPAP. Absolutely, yes. Um, one I've thing had those studies done too. A lot of people don't realize is they bought two rings from Kickstarter, two sizes. Yeah. yeah. A size 7 and a size 11. Yep. And then they got a bunch of kids, I assume they kidnapped from Stanford College mm -hmm. and ran them through this. Admittedly, uh, at the sleep conference, one of the people, the head uh, lead researchers, said that even if the ring didn't fit well, some of the people wanted to wear it on their ring finger because they felt better about it. Yep. So what happens if the ring twists on your finger, the current yep. generation ring, uh, it can skew deep in REM sleep. Got it. And I would, what I would point people if they, if they, you know, they're hung up on that is it's not peer reviewed, but we did a, a study with the Finnish health group where they had fitted rings and we came out in, I think it was like 78% on REM in deep sleep as opposed to like in the fifties with yep. SRI. Yep. And the important thing about that is even if you go to a sleep lab with PSG, if they have two technicians score it, they're only like 82% in agreement. So yep. even sleep labs aren't exact. So when you're talking 82 to 78, sure. not yep. a big difference. Yeah, so, I remember when I did my sleep study, this was years ago, I did go to the Stanford sleep study in Redwood yeah. City, which is, is their sleep center is considered one of the top in the world. Right. The diagnostic sleep study. They actually let me wear the zeal while I was doing okay. the sleep yeah. study it, it took a little bit of negotiation because you know you've got like 60 electrodes all over your head and your legs and then they had to you know slide in this zeo device so that it yeah. fit properly anyhow i digress so yeah no, that's no. i i I'm gonna, i hope to get that like the histogram comparison because i did a sleep study in finland with two aura rings on one each mm -hmm. hand mm -hmm. uh with you know all the stuff in your head so i hope to have that at some point so i can share that um Okay. So just to reiterate, I, I want to, I know that just to reiterate, the, the index finger on the dominant hand with a very snug fitting ring is the absolute best practice to well, make it. Well, the index finger. Game. I'd say these three fingers. Any Got of it. These okay, cool. Fingers. Yep, that's but, great. But size to your non-dominant hand, then move yep. it to the same finger on your dominant hand. While you yeah, I want to just make sure we hammer that home for people who, are, who, are, who have the product and, and may not be aware of yeah. it or are thinking of getting it because it's an important yeah. detail. Yeah, I would like to point out one other thing. The, uh, the new ring uh, has improved sensors, mm -hmm. and so it will tolerate twisting, we, we believe. We haven't mm -hmm. we've got to prove this as scientists, yep. but it should be able to tolerate twisting more than the original ring because yep. of sensor technology. Yep. Okay. So, uh, okay, cool. So you've got sleep, you've got the HRV readiness score, resting heart rate, yep. calorie burn. Now... We're on row two here, so it looks like you've got some MyFitnessPal data coming in as well. Right, Insulin yes. load and yes. calories yes. consumed. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, 
I actually am most interested personally from a dietary standpoint on that number, insulin load. Yeah, and we I, actually have to derive that. Obviously, yeah. my fitness pal doesn't calculate it, but we yeah. have we have the formula in our app to calculate that. Yes, I don't know why it says my fitness pal there, but anyway, no. That's well, that's true. because we're deriving it from the MFP uh, data. Yeah, yeah but, I, but that to me, I, I love that number because going through the day as I checked on my phone or up on the web here, you know, I just look and see how I'm going against, say, 75, and I and I, I know from that number. It, I can correlate that to what my glucose is going to be in the morning. Yep. So that's which it. is the number that's right up there next, which is fasting yeah. glucose. My Again, my most important metric, I, I track a ton of stuff, but for me, it's my fasting blood sugar. I wake up in the morning, I check my blood sugar. It's kind of like my report card from, right. from the previous day. And yeah. it tells me that that's the main metric I could use to manage metabolism is just that number. This, this one was after... Uh, uh, tea and she and a, gla- a, gla- a cup of uh, bulletproof coffee. So it wasn't fasting per se. It's still but, pretty incredibly. You know, well, point, yeah, but I mean, in 99 here on, on the, the week long. Yeah. I I'm, I'm, should be in the high 60s, but the uh, between moving from Colorado to Vermont and not having internet and having going to coffee shops, mm-hmm. I have not been as zipped up on my health and exercise as I wanted. Totally, yeah, when you're not so away from... You know, my, um, my metabolism, uh, I think I put on probably eight pounds in <laughs> a pure fat. So, I mean, those are, those are great numbers. For me, when I'm, when I'm dialed in, I'm high 70s, low 80s. That's kind of like where I really like to be. I agree with you. When you're on the road, you don't have all of the, the comforts and the tools at your disposal. It ticks up. But yours yeah, is actually even lower than mine. Yeah, during the holidays, <laughs> when you're with family and friends, you make yep. bad decisions. <laughs> yes. Cool. So uh, insulin load is a big one for you then. Um, yes, and, yes, uh, that is. And, and, yeah, okay. and I don't, I'm not a big ketone checker. Mm-hmm. So I've only, I only, uh, I've got the Mojo uh, track. Uh, Same here. Uh, yep. Yeah, and so I've, I've checked my ketones cup times, but they're pathetic. But yeah, so my glucose ketone index is like really bad. <laughs> yeah, I can get that number down. Sometimes when I'm really dialed in, I'll get it down under two. I haven't really yeah. pushed it. I know that there's some research, not not research, but some of the guys like Dom and uh, Dr. Seafried will say that it, it's actually very ther- therapeutic once a year to push yourself into a state where you're below two on the GKI, at least for a couple days as, as a cancer prevention technique which I think is incredibly fascinating. Yes. Cool. So you've got the macro data there. Looks like a carb tolerance test as well. Finished down a little bit, blinded. (laughs) Blowing the full blue light. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're trashing Chuck's sleep right here live. So some of these other things getting lower down, I I really don't look at. I mean, I'll glance at like fat working towards my goal. Yep. I never have a trouble with eating too little fat. Yep. Uh, Protein, I never use a hit. The target, and these goals set here that I set in my fitness pal, are based on uh, you know the keto gains formula. Yeah, that's the one that I would typically um, use as well. Right, right. Again, I'm not. I, I mostly just use these days. I don't track the macros so much. I just use the fasting glucose numbers. Quite honestly, right. yeah. And that, yeah. And then I have like I had uh, one carb tolerance test after I had a nuclear meltdown from too many races, mm-hmm. uh, long distance races. And this actually shows a over-responder. This is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because after I hit the 124, it went down to 48. Yep. So I overshot dramatically. Yep. 
But this was at the beginning of a bunch of tests. I went to a functional doctor, sort of, he'd gotten out of being a cardiologist. And uh, he didn't charge me for anything. He said, you're an anomaly. At this point, I was uh, 51 years old, running great distances. And he's like, I want to study you. So <laughs> he ran, he did ultrasounds and CT scans and this stuff, all kinds of blood tests. And he put, he put me back together. In six months, I was racing again. So... Forty-eight yeah. at the three-hour—that's like a huge compensation. Yeah. I mean, so, oh, that, that's not a good. Usually, insulin say, uh, sensitive yeah, there. Yeah, people might say, "Wow, that's good," and they're like, "No, no." Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. So uh, I got a lot better after that. Yep. Any others on here that are really important for you? I know they kind of, as we get further down, they become less important. I think that's yeah, just I mean, you're not you're not pulling, uh, you know, the various companies' VO two max calculations like Garmin. First Beat Technology uh, has added that to. They basically took what they used to have on a computer mm-hmm. and finally got that into firmware. Mm-hmm. And so the new Garmin's I mentioned, the Phoenix Five and the Nine Thirty Five, they have that in firmware now, so they actually calculate your VO two max. Yeah, I've got to see if they publish it in the API, though. That's the thing. If, yeah, if they do, they we can do. get it. And then uh, Fitbit and the Ionic, they, they refer to it as uh, cardio fitness, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's a VO2 max. It's an estimation, but they're pretty good. Okay. Yeah, that's something you mentioned to me, and I need uh, to continue seeing if that's actual data that we can get our hands on. Uh, yes. So what's your top two? If you had to pick two, and you could only track two things, what, what would you say? I mean, I... I would probably do my insulin load and my readiness score. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that would be yep. my big. Yeah, for me, it would be definitely uh, fasting, glucose, and, and readiness. Yeah, and that's an interesting one. But what, the reason that I don't think about glucose as much, and we've talked about this, is I long for the day when I have con- continuous glucose monitoring. Well, <laughs> hey, I'm in the same boat. I think that's going to be the, the key to helping – People understand maybe people who don't have access to all of the information that you and I have, but something simple, a consumer grade device where they can just see their glucose going through the roof after they eat what they think healthy meals. But that's really going to help us course correct. So, yeah, this is the one thing that really could help people figure out that their metabolism is severely broken. Yeah. It. <laughs> it's a prevention technique as well. I'm sure the companies that sell uh, self drugs related to uh, metabolic diseases wouldn't like that too much if everybody was just getting alerts when they yeah. do something where the glucose goes through the roof and then can just self-correct. Right. I think that is an awesome day yeah. when that finally comes along. We're actually integrating the um, Dexcom API now, right. and there's another consumer device. It's called the Libra. Yeah, Libra, yeah, by Abbott. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's doing 15-minute samples. Dexcom's five-minute samples. So hopefully th- there will be something that's available. Those Still, you need a prescription for both of those devices. So hopefully there will be something soon where you don't. Yes, I – well, <laughs> yeah, you just have to know the right people. Yeah. Uh, like uh, um, Thaddeus from Primal Hackers doing a test right now. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's, and there's just to the side, there's interesting correlations that – Two researchers have found between the sleep metrics that they've tracked on their aura ring and glucose. Yep. Well, what we want to do is actually get the five-minute Dexcom samples and start correlating that with the five-minute HRV sample and also with the MyFitnessPal data and starting to help people understand what food choices caused blood sugar to go up or what's the correlation between stress and blood sugar for people. So HRV and blood sugar. That's part of our future vision is to be able to do that kind of thing. 
Yeah, the guy you had on with the other app, the uh, macro app. I My mean, macros, yeah. Cal doesn't do is, it would be nice if instead of just having breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner, yep. snack, yep. they actually put in the time you ate something. Yep. But even like supplements, because that's one thing I was talking to Thaddeus about, Owens, is doing, you know, wearing something like a, a Libra for a week to try and find correlations. Yep. You know, you want to see like, oh, that's when I took supplements and those actually spiked my glucose. That's good yep. to know. You know yep. just, uh, and as Rob Wolf found out, you know, doing finger pricks to find out which foods impacted him, you know, impacted him more than others. That's why we built the carb tolerance test. My, yeah. One of the first things my functional doc said was go eat your favorite breakfast, whatever it is, I don't care, bacon and eggs, whatever, pancakes, he didn't care, and test your blood sugar before you eat it. 30 minutes postprandial, 60 minutes, 120, and 180. And he wanted to see those curves. And then when Rob published the book, that's when we said, okay, let's build this feature so people can do a glucose tolerance test on anything. And we have users who test some of their favorite foods and their, their blood sugar is still skyrocketing up at, at the three-hour mark. And they're like, oh, okay, crap. I, I guess I better not eat that anymore. But you wouldn't know unless you did those tests. Right. If you want to know one of my best tests... <laughs> you know, the people from Dry Farm Wines, they said, it's keto-friendly. Mm -hmm. I tested my glucose, my ketones, drank a bottle of wine by myself. Yes. Did the tolerance test. You're a martyr, Chuck. Hey, I was, and it didn't change. I mean, it really worked. Yeah, well, I've, I've hung out with those guys, and, and, and they send every bottle of wine to yeah. an independent lab to get yeah. tested before they ship it out. Another good one is uh, Fitvine. Yep. California, they make a good wine, low-carb. Cool. Yeah. So that's awesome, Chuck. Those are great metrics. And um, I know you've got a lot of blood work in here. We don't need to get it to that level of detail. Yeah. But um, adding more of that when uh, once uh, LabCorp. Having trouble hearing you, Chuck. Oh, yeah. So yeah, LabCorp's coming. I know that I think we did some concierge data entry for you as well. So for those who, people who aren't familiar, you can just upload a PDF file. We'll, we'll do all the data entry for you. Because a lot of people have blood work in paper, PDF, all of that other kind of stuff. So yeah. I, I was able to export my data out of Wellness FX. Yep. Sent to your partner. Yep. Dr. Josh. It's cleaned it up and, yep. uh, and did a super job. And this is a great way to visualize it. And these are all pretty old, as, as you can see, because... Yep. Uh, 2014. Well, we'll get the LabCorp integration working soon. Uh, we've got Quest. We've got thousands of facilities in there. LabCorp is a big one because a lot of the functional and integrative doctors use LabCorp because they give you the, the lowest rock-bottom pricing on blood tests. So I'm told we'll have that API available in Heads Up in two weeks. Okay, good, good. And today is, what, Feb 2? So mid-Feb? Uh, yes, yes. It's a nice CRP reading there. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I've never had a lot of trouble with information, but... You know, I did, uh, I had some thyroid issues and uh, yep, same. other uh, testosterone was in the tank after I run a bunch of marathons, a bunch of ultras, including ending with a hundred kilometer race in 2011. And I just, that's when yep. the, the wheels came off. And, uh, We've all been there at least once. Yeah. My functional doctor said, you have the testosterone of a 67 year old. <laughs> Not what you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he didn't. That's awesome, Chuck. Uh, that? Looks great. Yeah, okay. So um, give us a quick tour on AuraCloud. We're coming up on, uh, on an hour here. It's been a great discussion, but there's a ton of great data in there as well. So what are some of, what are some of your favorite metrics in the AuraCloud? Okay. So we're sharing screen, Chuck, and you're on the AuraCloud. That's where I lost you. Okay, 
Right. So the, the dashboard in the cloud is very similar. It'll probably even look the same as the, the app experience uh, at some point. So at the top, you have just these three things trended together. Yep. You can use the arrows to go you know, back and forth. Yep. A little easier to browse through your history here than it is on the phone. Oh, absolutely. And so like on the phone. Uh, 92 sleep. Nice work. Uh, the one I was showing on your, your site was yesterday. Yep. So these are the contributors that go into the sleep score. Yep. Uh, and then you have your you know, standard what sleep labs like to look at the histogram. Yep. Go through here. I'll, I'll show a little trick out in, in a second when we get to another tab. But some people want to see like actually how restless was I last night. Yep. I'll figure that out. This is the resting heart rate, and this shows I was pretty high early in the night. Yep. Two nights ago, was, I think we drank a bottle of champagne, had a late dinner. So that was what, what happened. That there. correlates very well with that resting heart rate at four in the morning. It was not a uh, dry farm champagne. No. This is something that I look at every morning. One of the first things I look at, it's a little broken up here. That you can see there's a gap in the data. Mm -hmm. That's where the, you know there was probably too much movement, so there wasn't a clean five-minute sample to generate HRV. Yep. But as you can see from this, it trended up overnight while I was sleeping, and, and this comes back to where I was mentioning that company EM Fit. Yep. HRV through the night. One thing this is indicative and shows you is that your nervous system recovered while you were sleeping. Because the HRV is getting higher as the night goes on. Is that right? On, right, right. So Got this it. is like the long-term HRV over months. This is your nightly graph. And so I look at that and I hope to see it, like if I had a hard workout or a stressful day, if I see that trending up, I know that my nervous system is recovered. So that's awesome. That I think is a, a subtle detail, but you could log in here and actually see, okay, I trained hard on Thursday. I want to see that my HRV is going up through the night as an indicator that my body is indeed recovering. Right, right. It's enough, more proof that you're recovering. Yep, cool. So then awesome. activity, oops, got to go back a day because uh, the cloud just gets the activity the next day. But one thing, this is over a 24-hour period. So if you look at during the night, if yep. you have, uh, you know, average met, you know, like the medium mets and stuff, you can actually use the activity graph to see how active you were while you were sleeping, if that makes any sense. Yep. So some people <laughs> use it for that. Again, you have your contributors. That's the thing I always get dinged on from the aura sleep data is just restless restlessness. I don't obviously feel it, but it, one of the common insights from aura is that it was a restless sleep. Right. So that's helpful to see. And that's part of the stuff I'm looking to hack with different, some of the things you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So, uh, Readiness. Man, yeah, this right. is awesome. This is just such incredible information. Everyone loves it. Everyone I've talked to just loves, loves this data from the ring. I'm really excited for the next one just because it is going to be a smaller form factor. And then I would wear it pretty much 24 seven. And then just in closing, Chuck, maybe a, a few minutes on what the Gen 2 ring is going to do. I've read it all. So I know I can't wait, but give us a few highlights on that. Uh, we'll close out. You know, we, this first generation ring was really a market test. Yep. It did really well considering that. And you know, it, But the thing is, even though a lot of people love it, can't live without it, mm -hmm. it's a big ring. And yep. especially with women, it's you know, a little bit offensive. Yep. So the, the new ring is the size of a, of a man's average size wedding band. Yep. It's smaller. It's made of titanium. Yep. So looks beautiful. So it's much lighter. It has improved infrared sensors, has two temperature sensors I won't get into because it'll take too long. It has, they added a gyro on top of the accelerometer. Yep. 24 uh, 7 HRV. Awesome. Well, that's been mentioned, but because of the improved sensors, it won't be 24 7 per se. It, we already do it during the day when you're not really active, but the new ring will tolerate a little bit more activity than the old one. Mm -hmm. The original ring, you had to put, like, put your hands on a desk. 
and stay still for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Turn the sensors back on and get enough data. But uh, you, with the new one, you should be able to have some common movements and still be collecting. Cool. HRV. Yeah. So the, the thing with the gyro is that'll make it easier for us to train the ring to identify activities. Mm-hmm. Out of the box day one because it takes time and money to do that to train to different activities. And what about meditation mode? I caught something on meditation mode. Because one of the things with meditation, you're like, okay, I'm sitting there. Is, is anything happening? Am I doing this right? And one of the things I'm super excited about is the ability to actually quantify a meditation session in terms of an HRV improvement, right. which is really awesome. exciting. So right now, even behind the signs, behind the scene, anybody has had a first-generation ring, when you're not moving at all, like say you're really still meditating, yep. turn the infrared sensors on. So we actually have all that HRV data. Well, we never showed it. Yep. Apple will show you restful periods, but they're still working through the sort of how the feature set will look, the use case. Mm-hmm. But I assume you'll you might have something like a start starting meditation, finishing meditation, and I don't know if you'll be able to see live on the screen the HRV plot. I don't know enough about that quite yet. Well, it's exciting. It, it looks like there will be a way to do a before and after on a meditation session, which again what we hopefully can look at is. Uh, you know, developing what's called an SDK, which you probably know about. It's sort of an API for the hardware. Yep. Uh, because, you know, there are other companies that make meditation apps. For instance, like, you know, I'm not saying these people are the ones, but like uh, Kevin Rose's new app, Oak. Yep. It would be nice if you could actually pull that uh, aura data directly into the meditation app. Yep. So, then you could see it streaming, like an, if you're using an app like that. I'd love to find a good meditation app with an API. haven't found one yet. Yeah, I... I don't know what, I imagine eventually uh, Kevin Rose may have an API. I wouldn't surprise yeah, I've, I've, I've pinged Headspace a couple times, but but no love there. So okay. we'll, we'll get there. Kevin being an entrepreneur, geeky kind of guy, he, if anybody does it, he will. Cool. Well, this has been awesome, Chuck. I think this is hopefully the first of uh, many of these episodes. I think we could probably get back together once the new product comes out. And, <laughs> pardon me? I could talk for hours. Me too. We're, we're kindred spirits there for sure. And we do talk for hours. We're, 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 we're going back and forth pretty much every day uh, on chat and stuff like that. So I'm really glad we connected. Thanks for all your support for Heads Up Health, everything you do for us. We're really happy to be partners with you guys. If anyone wants to get the ring, you can pre-order at headsuphealth.com aura. We have a, a discount code there. The new one's coming out in April. And we covered a ton of great data today. So uh, thanks, Chuck. It's been, it's been a ton of fun and, and can't wait to have you back and, uh, and go deeper once the new ring is out. All right. Sounds cool. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 